we're not going to get rid of Thanksgiving because, <laughs> of course, you know, think about it. But what we're going to do is we're going to give you guys a day. It's not going to be a national holiday where people get their days off because, you know, we only do that for white people and exceptional Negroes that we murdered. <laughs> but you are going to get a day and don't you bitch about it. <laughs> it's like, oh, man, that shit is fucking dumb. You are listening to the Weird Counts Podcast, a place for educational and nuanced perspectives with your host, Haven. Yeah. How are you guys doing? How was your holiday? Hopefully it was better than mine. Uh, I'm just going to throw this out here from jump before we get into the t- today's topic that um, my depression and demons are promptly chomping at my ass these days and I mean just all up in my culo and it's taking a lot of energy for me to not be destructive or harmful about it so (laughs) that's the state of mind I'm in yo (laughs) that's how I'm handling this fucking COVID fall that we're going through (laughs) but anyways Oh, man. I'm recording this at like four o'clock in the morning, Native American Heritage Day. And it's unfortunate because by the time this gets to your ears and or eye holes, it's going to be neither Thanksgiving or Native American Heritage Day. But that's not going to stop me from giving you niggas some story time. (laughs) And side note. Can I just point out how cartoonishly disrespectful and distinctly American this pettiness is to have a whole ass day to commemorate the heritage of a group of people that were multifaceted, multicultural and highly diverse, but also subjugated to genocide in order for you and I to be on the land that we are currently on today. And not only that, we place that day right after a day where we celebrate the white people who raped and pillaged and murdered all of the niggas that were supposed to be commemorating the next day. Like, (laughs) oh my God, that's so fucked up. I don't, man, if there is any way, (laughs) there is any example of how fucked up identity politics can be it's this way like (laughs) i mean my nigga really white people were just like you know what we're not gonna get rid of thanksgiving because (laughs) of course you know think about it but what we're gonna do is we're gonna give you guys a day it's not gonna be a national holiday where people get their days off because you know we only do that for white people and exceptional negroes that we murdered (laughs) But you are going to get a day and don't you bitch about it. (laughs) Like, Oh, man, that shit is fucking terrible. My word. Way, way, way back in the before times of 2012. I was dating this white girl from Philadelphia. Now, don't judge me. I was going through a lot of shit at the time. Okay, and she had a master's degree. 
And that was good enough for me. Okay. <laughs> so my little white girl from Philly, she was an occupational therapist and her clients loved her. And I mean, loved her so much so that one of them invited her and I to Thanksgiving dinner and me being the amazing girlfriend that I am, I buried my normal paranoia about going to white people's houses and eating their food and accepted that invitation and went to have Thanksgiving dinner with this couple. Now, my girl's client was very sweet. She was a super old lady, her husband, super old. They were an old white Jewish couple from New York City. And when I say old, I mean like the kind of old where you forget that they exist and then out of nowhere you remember and you're like, holy fuck, you're not dead yet. Like that kind of old, you know, that Betty White old where like every year everybody's like, ain't Betty White dead? And it's like, nah, that bitch still fucking gigging. Like that kind of fucking old. Okay. So they were very sweet, nonetheless, old and sweet. And they also had a very old son. He was like in his 60s and shit. So it's like there's a lot of history and experience there. So we go over to their house and, you know, we break bread and you have Thanksgiving dinner with these people. And before you ask, yes, the food was bland as fuck. And I'm pretty sure there were parts of that meal that weren't edible. But they were nice people and they were a wealth of fucking knowledge. We're sitting there trying to have, you know, eat this bland ass meal. We're having conversations and shit. And I'm, me being me, I'm going to take the opportunity to ask as many questions as I can. Because when am I going to get another opportunity to ask a fossil about the Jurassic period? You know what I'm saying? So like you ask these fucking questions, right? So we're talking and we're having a great time and I'm learning so much and we're joking and shit and learning from the son, learning from the mom, learning from the dad. And then out of nowhere, this native American nigga just walks from the back of the house into the kitchen, makes himself a, like two plates and then walks his ass right back into the abyss of the house. And we're just like, all right. And the family doesn't even acknowledge this nigga's existence. You know, <laughs> My girlfriend and I were looking at each other like, did you not see this big ass fucking six foot seven, 350 pound ass indigenous nigga just walk up in here? Like, what the fuck was that? And I guess the dad realized that she and I were having this internal dialogue about like who the fuck this nigga was. And he just was like, oh, yeah, that's one of our adopted kids. So and so. He's a great guy. Retired fucking firefighter. He's amazing. Blah, 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 blah. Right. And we're like, oh, okay, oh, cool. And I was like, one of, how many kids did you adopt? Oh, we got three of them. And I'm like, oh, wow, that's great. Were they siblings? Oh, no, 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 We picked up this one Native American kid this year and another one this year and another one that year. And I'm like, oh, okay, so these niggas were like, like collectibles to y'all. <laughs> how did that work? Like, how did you manage to just acquire three Native American children like that's fucking random and that spurred this conversation about this program that the family was in where through their religious organization their synagogue the kids these Native American kids were placed in these homes and 
I was amazed because, you know, I don't know if you guys notice, but I'm a nigga in America. You know what I'm saying? Like born and raised a whole ass nigga in America. And I thought I had a decent grasp on the fuckery that is the United States. You know what I'm saying? Like not only am I a nigga in America, but I'm a nigga that reads. You know, I'm a nigga who's a child of an immigrant, a Haitian immigrant at that. Like I figured that I had a decent understanding of the fuckery that the U.S. government has gone through. You know what I'm saying? I know about the Tuskegee experiment and shit, right? Right. But this shit was like baffling to me. Did not have any idea that this was going on. And because of that, when I got home, I decided to do some Googling and research And man, did y'all know that the U.S. government had like a whole systemic process of stealing people's children from native land? (laughs) I did not know that shit. It was amazing. Like, wow. (laughs) A whole ass, a whole ass process of robbing people of their children. So the process of which the United States went through stealing Native American children can be split up into two different eras. So you have the boarding school era and you have the adoption era. And this covers about two to three centuries worth of ethnic cleansing. So during the boarding school era, states followed what you would call the Carlisle model where they went into indigenous lands and just took people's kids and sent them off to boarding school, sometimes hundreds of miles away from their native lands and forced assimilated them into white culture. So while there, they were forbidden to speak their own native language or practice their own native culture, religion, music, all that other shit. They stripped them of their native names and gave them anglicized names and they stripped them of their native aesthetic and anglicized their look, cutting their hair, putting them in westernized clothing, all that shit. And it was essentially pushed as this way of taming the savage, but saving the man. Now, in addition to using these boarding schools, which at their height, had like 350 different institutions ran either by the government or by religious institutions. If they couldn't put the kids in a boarding school, they also created insane asylums to funnel native Americans into. And at first the U S government used St. Elizabeth's facility in DC to ship these Native American people that they deemed disabled or crazy to up until they started to create their own asylums within the states. And how they would go about doing this is that they would have these reservation agents who were usually white men who got to dictate who was and was not safe and who could or could not be on indigenous land. If he didn't like you, your ass was going someplace. So, for example, in South Dakota, they had the Hiawatha Insane Asylum for Indians. And Hiawatha was founded in 1903 by two South Dakotan congressmen 
who essentially wanted to use the asylum facility as a way to jumpstart a new economy and entice white settlers to come into South Dakota and build this whole new economy around this shit. And not only were these patients adults, but many of them were children. And the U.S. government labeling these people as quote-unquote disabled justified them preventing their genes from passing on. Because, ladies and gentlemen, this is the height of eugenics. And, like, side note, if there was ever an example of white people being loud and destructively wrong, it's fucking eugenics, okay? Like, just, you did not know what the fuck you were talking about, and you ruined so many lives, millions of lives, off of just sheer ignorance. Amazing. And by the way, eugenics is making a comeback. So you might want to pay attention to that shit right there. But I digress. While in these facilities, in order for you to leave, you had to be forced sterilized. But in places like Hiawatha, where their superintendent didn't know how to do that shit, what they would do is just keep these people in these facilities until they died. Now, as the popularity for these facilities started to die out and the Overton window of white sensibility started to shift and they were no longer comfortable torturing indigenous folks in this way, there were several papers that came out describing the abuse and torture that was happening at these facilities. So when we roll into 1933, Hiawatha was shut down by John Coulier from the Roosevelt administration and even then the people in Canton South Dakota waged a federal court battle against the closure of the asylum because their entire community was dependent on this asylum running their entire economy rested on the subjugation and genocide of these people fortunately they did not win their case And the Hiawatha Asylum was shut down and torn down. And in turn, they built a golf course over the asylum. Because nothing says that white people are sorry like a golf course. That shit is so disrespectful. Like where the fifth hole is located, that's where the cemetery used to be. And 121 native men, women, children, and newborns rest there. So it's a no-play zone for the golf course. (sighs) So as facilities like these insane asylums and boarding schools start to be faded out as evidence comes up about how terrible they are, the adoption era starts to roll in. And with the adoption era, it was a way to continue the boarding school tactics without having to spend all the money of running an entire boarding school. They would just place these native children into white homes. But the thing is, they had to convince white people to start adopting these indigenous children. So the US government cultivated this whole marketing campaign to quote unquote save the forgotten child 
of the native lands and thus spurred the Indian Adoption Project, which was created in 1958 and for the most part was very successful. A lot of white people just had to save and wanted to save these poor indigenous orphans, right? The only problem was there weren't a lot of indigenous orphans. A lot of these indigenous children had families, they had parents. So how did the U.S. government decide to reconcile that little fucking chasm? Well, enter social work. So the U.S. government would send social workers into these native lands to survey the families or their parents. And a lot of times they would use ableism to work their way around. So they would either deem the parent unfit because they were disabled in some form or fashion. And because you're disabled, that means that you can't take care of children. Or they would just cite something as outlandish as, well, this kid is living in an overcrowded home of having too many relatives in the house and therefore needed to be removed from their home. And then they would be placed in non-white families or group centers. And this practice was so ubiquitous that government agencies and religious institutions managed to force one in four children, one in four indigenous children to live separate from their families and native land. And once again, with the testimony of the victims of this program, both their parents, families, and the children, speaking in front of Congress, the Overton window of white sensibility shifted again. They were no longer comfortable with torturing and ethnically cleansing the indigenous people in such a manner. And that ushered in the Indian Child Welfare Act in 1978. Now, this act was supposed to remedy all of these past problems, and it required states to first and foremost try to find native relatives or native families to place orphaned indigenous children in. And it was created to stop the two centuries worth of child displacement that happened either via through government or religious or social facilities, agencies, and institutions. And unfortunately, like all laws that are passed to half-ass fix a problem that white supremacy creates, there were loopholes. And once again, non-native families were using disability and ableism to circumnavigate around this law. So state courts use the parents' quote-unquote disability As an excuse, not to place the child with native kin or people of a similar tribal background as them. And it helped the state government to pretend like the health of the child overrode the importance of placing the child with fellow indigenous family or actual relatives. And this all happened despite the 2015 Department of Justice guidelines that were pushed from the Americans with Disability Acts. It rarely protected indigenous parents. 
So, for example, in South Dakota, Native American children were 11 times more likely to be placed in the foster care system instead of being placed with their Native family. And oftentimes, the majority of those children were placed in non-Native homes or group centers. And to add insult to injury, these children would more likely than not be labeled as disabled so that their foster parents could get more money off of their children. And even in the face of all the loopholes and lawyering up that individuals have been able to do to circumnavigate around the Indian Child Welfare Act, ICWA is still being under attack. Just this past couple of years alone, three Republican attorney generals and three non-white families have sued against the law stating that such a law places race above the well-being of the child. Even last year, a federal judge in Texas struck down ICWA in favor of a non-white family, which put in jeopardy the entire law, and it was pushed so far to the Fifth Appeal Circuit Court in Texas. And luckily, every appeal has been against what that federal judge originally decreed. So make no mistake about it. There is a constant push by religious organizations and government officials, specifically conservative Republican officials, to try to dismantle ICWA. And it's mainly because for centuries, these people have been able to make money, a shit ton of money, off of the subjugation of indigenous folk and their children. Not only just money, but they've been able to use these policies to cut these people from any claim on land. It's one of the main ways that the United States government has been able to circumnavigate around treaties to steal more and more of native lands from native people. And also, this is my personal tidbit, the one thing you can't tell a white person is no. Don't tell a white person they can't adopt a native child. They're going to do everything they can to adopt a, a native child. Don't tell a white man he can't marry a black woman because he'll do everything he fucking can to marry a black woman. Shout out loving. So the worst possible thing you can do is tell a white man no. If I'm lying, I'm fucking dying. I mean, I am inside. But honestly... So in me learning these things, I became exposed not only just to the atrocity that this is, and this is this isn't this isn't even the ugliest practice that the United States government has waged against indigenous folk, but the insidiousness of targeting their children so that they can sever ties and steal land or make money. It's become like a whole industrial complex. And from the time that I've learned about this practice until now, I have been utterly unable to continue with the cognitive dissonance of just thinking that Thanksgiving is just a day for me to hang out with my family. <laughs> You know, like beyond the fact that Thanksgiving in and of itself is a celebration of genocide, that faithful night of having that dinner and 
meeting ever so briefly the Native American man that lived in that house or learning about his forced sibling who cut all ties possible from that family. It's hard. It's hard to just truck along and pretend like this shit ain't here. Pretend this shit's not real. And I think a lot of times what white America tries to do is be like, oh, well, it's so long ago. Why do you like, why would you worry about that? It's so long ago. Why would, why would you worry about slavery? It happened so long ago. And it's like, for me, it's like, it's not long ago. This is 15 minutes ago, my nigga. Who are you talking about? What are you talking about? I met a man in his late 50s who was stolen from his family. And it wasn't some evil, you know, right-wing family that did it. It was a nice, cordial, liberal Jewish family that participated in the ethnic cleansing of Native Americans. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's not just, of course, the GOP and conservatives will run it up through the litigation because that's what they do. But this whole, we have to save this white man burden. We have to save the indigenous people from themselves. That type of shit is not just right wing. That type of shit, that saviorism shit, that is very distinctly liberal. And I find it interesting that people want to dictate what you can and can't take seriously or take offense to or want to stop or want to prevent. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's insane to me. There are several generations of indigenous folk who are completely severed from their history, from their culture, from their language. And we just walk around like that's normal shit. Like, you know, get over it. Sure, you were adopted by this random white family and you may or may not have had a good childhood. You probably were abused. But, you know, all well, we have to have this land. I have to have this apartment. You know what I'm saying? Like, I have to have this Danish style fucking gentrification ripping through our communities. Like, it has to happen because capitalism. Like, that shit is, it's insane to me. And I think oftentimes we use days of celebration like Thanksgiving to wash our hands of these atrocities, and we shouldn't. We really fucking shouldn't. It should be front and center at all times. It should be known. It should be felt, that pain. Um, And there's a lot of pain that comes with these practices, this is not just statistics. This is not just numbers. These are real people who went through a lot and don't take my word for it. So yeah, fuck Thanksgiving, fuck white supremacy, past, present, and future. There has to come a day when we do more than just say, I'm sorry. I think the American way is to just pretend like these crimes against humanity are completely severed from present day and just 
if not a figment of our imagination, they're just like, oh, that was just, it was just the past, and that's never happening again. We built this metaphorical wall to keep all of that over there. So, like, there's nothing, nothing indicative of that problem, despite the fact that till this fucking day we have these organizations, these Christian organizations and government organizations trying to promote white supremacy and still still snatch these children out of their native homes and away from their native fucking families. Still, to this day, my nigga, it's not, it's not the fucking past. It's not back there, it's now. It's not back then, it's right fucking now. And the more we try to pretend, like, oh man, why are you trying to make... Thanksgiving so political. We know that the, the the pilgrims were fucked up, but like, don't you just want to celebrate being with your family? It's like, I can't, my nigga, I can't because, you know, like you guys are fucking breaking up families right now. How the fuck can I enjoy macaroni and cheese, my nigga, when like this day is a is one of many ways that you are using to hide a genocide, to hide ethnic cleansing that's currently happening to this day. Like I cannot express to y'all how recent this shit is. Like <laughs> till this day, there are Christian organizations and government officials trying to ethnically cleanse indigenous people. I cannot celebrate when that shit is happening. I can't celebrate being with my family knowing that days like these are to commemorate the very, like just the same ideology, the same fucking thought process, the same systemic process, all of it. All of it, same, untouched, changed in tactic and severity. Sure, because white people get sensitive sometimes about how motherfuckers are treated because of white supremacy. So they want to like finagle a way to make it feel not what it is. But it is what it is, my nigga. Like y'all are breaking families up. <laughs> and not just immigrant families, like native families. How the fuck am I supposed to celebrate that shit? You know what I'm saying? Like, how the fuck am I supposed to fucking enjoy stove stop, stove top stuffing? My nigga, fuck it. Yeah, there's alcohol in this tea. But what I'm saying is this shit is bullshit. Fuck Thanksgiving. Fuck it. And if you, like, I get it. You don't want to feel bad as a white person. I assume white guilt is terrible. You know what I'm saying? It's a lot. But like at the end of the day, my nigga, you need to feel that shit because this shit needs to stop. Ain't nobody stopping this shit. Everybody in the fucking Biden administration doesn't get like they're showing they don't give a fuck about treaties. Dapple shows that. These people are being subjugated to torture. Ethnic cleansing happening today by definition. Like I'm not throwing that out to be, I'm not throwing out that word to be hyperbolic. I'm not trying to be fucking dramatic. Like that is by definition what the fuck it is. 
and none of these saviors that are supposed to save us from fascism is going to stop this. This shit happened under their fucking noses. What the fuck are we going to do about that shit? We need, like, holding them accountable is only going to go so fucking far now that they're in power. So it's like, what the fuck, man? Fuck that. Fuck that. Something got to change. Something's got to change, man. This shit is disgusting. It's utterly, it's utterly disgusting to me. Utterly. I appreciate my day that I spent with that family because it exposed me to a truth that I didn't know and possibly wanted to stay ignorant to. But the shit was put in my face, like in my face. And now I know and I can't unknow it. And now I'm telling y'all so that you don't forget it. There's ethnic cleansing happening in our nation right now. The Republican Party is trying to make it legal by doing these lawsuits against ICWA. Despite the fact that ICWA fails pretty consistently in protecting the people it's supposed to protect. Like, there's ethnic cleansing happening right now, today. And these laws, these lawsuits didn't just pop up under Trump and they won't just continue only if there's a Republican president. These shits, is going, it's going to be around for a minute. And these, this is one of the many things, the litany of things that we need to be paying attention to, that we need to rectify. And I know that there are countries like Canada, New Zealand, that, you know, do like reconciliation panels and they push out official I'm sorry's and shit. But in all honesty, that shit ain't going to cut it. It's not, you know, and it's definitely not going to cut it in this country. So keep that in mind. When you're eating your leftover turkey sandwiches and shit, you know, all that bullshit. When you're in line, when you were trying to fight over that PS5 for your badass child who don't get no good fucking grades to deserve this shit, but you're a consuming American, so you got to buy the motherfucker a goddamn PS5. While you're doing that, I want you to just keep it in your mind. Keep it in your mind that all of this is possible because of the continued ethnic cleansing of the indigenous population here. And nothing, no good comes of that. I know I'm sounding like mad color purple right now, but nothing in this country will be gotten in a healthy, safe, and righteous manner while this subjugation and ethnic cleansing continues. It's just not going to happen. Nothing. Not, not for nobody. Not no reparations, not no fucking Medicare for all, none of that shit. We got to fucking clean out the grit and the rot from the bottom up, from the bottom up. And in order for us to do that, we have to acknowledge what the fuck is going on. We have to acknowledge the very ubiquitous way that our United States government has been able to cleanse these people. 
the United States government has been able to do something that Hitler could never accomplish. Do you understand how fucking terrible that is? Shit is ridiculous. So yeah, hopefully you guys can enjoy your next, <laughs> your next fucking Thanksgiving and all that good shit. You know, I can't, but <sighs> anyways, all of the wonderful articles and YouTube videos that I watched that provoked this thought will be placed in the description down below. Please like, subscribe, share all that good shit. Um, once again, I'm on YouTube where it counts. I'm on Twitter. Well, if I'm honest, my Twitter account is deactivated right now, but once I get out of my depression and shit, you can follow me at Haven the Haitian. And if you have any comments or topics or whatever that you want to throw my way for me to look at, or I don't know, put through my prism, feel free to drop that information at the where it counts pod at gmail.com. And yeah, be good to yourself. Be fucking good to others. Peace. <laughs>